Aloha, Kavika Miles here. First off, before we get started, I want to give a big old mahalo nui loa for taking time out of your life to listen to book one of my dystopian saga. Secondly, this free audiobook podcast is only made possible by those of you who buy some of my damn merch. It's easy. Just go over to damnitiloveamerica.com and pick yourself up an American tea, a dystopian tea, or hell, even get a copy of the book and read along with me. Regardless, I really do hope you enjoy Saga of the Nine Origins. Mahalo. Saga of the Nine Origins by Kavika Miles Read by the author Five, Area 38. What was that? Bella shrieks, throwing her finger into Ren's shoulder before turning to Rhett and doing the same. When I ask for a speech, you give a speech. Bella, Sullivan calmly states, the consistency of his tone matching the brown liquor he's pouring into the pair of glasses. Don't Bella me, she snarls, glaring at him in his one good eye. We are on the verge of one of the greatest genealogical breakthroughs, and having the twins go and pull a stunt like that? Their image is our image, and if they're going to behave like that at the gathering... Sullivan approaches his wife, placing her drink into her hands. Here. Ripping the cup from her husband's outstretched hand, Bella sloshes her drink onto the tile below. Snapping at a nearby servant, she points to the spill before taking a deep breath and sipping the liquid. Your mother is right. Ren looks to Rhett, gritting her teeth. Giving a slight shake of his head is all he has time to do but her ire still outweighs his admonition. How the hell is she right? Ren blurts out. Coughing on her second sip, Bella screeches as her tonic dribbles down the corners of her mouth. <laughs> you very well know, you ungrateful bitch. Bella! Sullivan's rumbling voice echoes out, his agitation bringing his wife down to a simmering mutter. Then, as if he never lost his temper in the first place, he continues in the same breath. Let me handle this. She's no better than all those experiments we bring in, Bella scoffs, draining the rest of her drink. Then, approaching her daughter, she haughtily lifts up Ren's bandaged arm. By the way, she's been doing it again. Yanking down and away, Ren slaps her arm back to her side. Whipping the heavy wooden door open, Bella pauses for one last prod. And Ren's letting her. With that, the mood, although quiet, is far from relaxing as the door thuds behind Bella's exit. Sullivan stays resolute as he looks to Ren's arm and then up to Rhett, downing his drink in one gulp before moving for a refill. Do you know why we are here? He slowly asks, in Area 38. Rhett shakes his head at his father, but Ren, she keeps her eyes burrowed into the closed wooden door, seething at the maternal lineage that she comes from. 
it's where it all started. Again, in a single swig, Sullivan drinks the bourbon and placing the empty glass upside down, moves over to the flickering fireplace, his eye matching the intensity of the embers. And this, this is where we feel it should all end. What do you mean by it? Rhett asks. Stand tall when you speak to me, son, Sullivan states, his gaze not moving from the warmth of the fire. Doing as his father asks, Rhett lifts his shoulders and puts his gaze forward. Can you clarify what you mean by it? Taking a long blink, Sullivan rolls his focus towards his son. It. The genealogical work your mother and I have been working towards for the past 19 years. And what does that have to do with us? Ren asks. Knowing her father's next statement, like Rhett, she stands up straight and puffs out her chest deliberately in her mocking contempt. Sir! Because you're family. You mistake my question, sir, Ren shouts, continuing the jeering show. What does it have to do with us, and more specifically, me, being in the PPA, sir? Sullivan silently scoffs at her attitude. Approaching his daughter, he gently tilts her chin to bring her thousand-yard stare to his. You'll learn soon enough. And then pausing, ensuring she feels the gravity of her insubordination, he stares a moment longer. When you behave in such a manner as you have with me just now, it is almost certain that you will be adding more tallies. Rhett? Sullivan asks, dropping his daughter's chin. Sir? Keep a better eye on your sister, he says, strolling towards the room's exit, his coat over his shoulder. Things tend to happen after encounters like this. Stoic in her demeanor, Ren continues to stand in her mocking form of attention. But as their father closes the door behind his exit, the burden she endured to uphold finally collapses her to her knees. As she crumbles, her face falls into the recess of her hands that quickly pools with tears. Dropping beside her, Rhett holds his sister, letting her weight completely fall into his arms, where she continues to sob. It's not true, Rhett calmly says. But, but it is, she whispers. Conveniently, Rhett is on assignment each time their father orders her to learn a lesson. There evil. Rhett has been with Ren since before they were born. They have a bond that goes beyond just a bloodline. Through thick and thin, he strived to be by her side. And so when she says that their father and mother are evil, Ren isn't just making a cynical observation, but rather is alluding towards something more. What are you thinking? Ren's breathing slows as she figures out how to best say it. It's been on her mind for weeks, and having specialized in operations like the one she's considering, now might just be the time to set some things in motion. What do you know about the Raiders? Rhett shrugs. They're rebels. Rebels with genetic defects in the unapproved class. Do you believe that? I don't think it really matters what I believe. I have orders, and so do you. I know, she says, nestling her head into his chest, contemplating the risks and rewards. This is no fleeting thought, and if she's willing to collude and conspire, then it must be done right. There's no room for half measures. Quickly, her train of thought is shattered as the door to the room bursts open, only this time with a welcome sight. Looking around the room, Connor rushes forward, encompassing the two in his thick arms. Came as soon as I could. About time, Ren states, her sarcastic remark muffled within the embrace of her two brothers. Half measures will not only get her killed, but the lives of the only man she cares about will be on the line. Connor, she then asks, pulling herself up from out of his hug. What's up? Again, Ren looks to Rhett for silent advice. 
The commander in him tells him to shake his head, but the brother side of him forces him to nod. No matter what their parents say, no matter how they treat and exile him from the family, Connor is more of a brother than Caspian ever will be to Rhett and Wren. They can trust him. What do you know about the Raiders? What you thinking about? Kip asks, his question breaking the silence of the winter night. Nothing really, Jax replies half-heartedly. You thinking about Wren's stone? Kip asks, jabbing him with his elbow. Why would I be thinking about someone in the PPA? Dude, Kip scoffs. Really? Not only does she have a rock and bod, she's Ren Stone. Exactly my point, Jax mumbles, tossing a pebble to the side. Look who she's related to. Caspian's tolerance for human suffering is pretty damn high, but that's not really the question or the point Jax is getting at. Articles have been written and stories told about Sullivan and Bella Stone. Mass public killings over all the areas. Some were for alleged infractions of the law. Most, however, were under the guise of protecting the labor class. Caspian learned it from somewhere, so how is Wren any different? She's still cute. I'd become a legacy if that meant I had a shot with her. Jax can't help but chuckle at Kip's one-track mind. And didn't it seem like there was something different about her? Kip asks. Like what? Shrugging his shoulders, Kip lays out his simple case. She didn't wave to us like the rest of her family, and her smile was fake. Like she was embarrassed to be up there. Not to mention, when asked to say something, she just turned and walked off stage, Kip says. You sure you don't have a thing for dark, twisted women? Believe me, I sure as hell love me some kinky women. But I'm telling you, she's different. Renstone isn't like her family. <laughs> Whatever you say. As the two continue to meander their way home, Kip looks to Jax before glancing back to City Hall. And after three more times of this, Jax lashes out at Kip's fidgeting behavior. What are you doing? Did you forget something back at the gathering? Shaking his head, Kip states the most obvious piece of information. Mary's kind of cute. Don't. It comes out of Jax's mouth quicker and more hostile than anything he said to Kip before. Jax doesn't know what it is, but a fire is lit inside. One that he's never experienced before. What? Kip asks with a truly innocent look, trying to hide his knowing smirk. You got the hots for her too? I don't have the hots for Ren. Hey man, Kip states, throwing his hands in the air. I'm not one to judge. I'll take whoever you don't. But you gotta pick. Mary or Ren. You're hilarious, Jack sarcastically states, slugging Kip right in the ribs. Son of a bitch, Kip mumbles, grabbing his side. Nah, my bad, Jax responds, immediately regretting his actions. A wild swing to the floating rib is a dick move on any front, not to mention Jax's natural left hook. You got a thing for Mary, I get it, Kip retorts shrugging the cheap shot off before things get out of control. I don't, Jax denies, never having thought through the ramifications of what a relationship with Mary would look like. After Granny Lisa died, you, she, and Anne are the closest people I have to family. You know? Jax states, making sure to keep Connor's unknown status out of the lineup. I miss Granny Lisa, Kip says solemnly, his expression saddening as he shuffles a rock in the snow. However, Kip can't help but smile and chuckle at a newfound thought. What now? Jax asks. Since you don't have a thing for Mary, he slowly says, trying not to laugh. Do you think I could have a go at her? Get out of here. They're looking for something. Ever since Sullivan and Bella stepped their sadistic feet on Area 38 soil, they've been systematically parading around town, ransacking every residence, making it that much more obvious that they're not on a routine visit. You alright? 
not to mention Renstone's face. Like Jezebel, she looms over him, taunting and haunting his emotions every time he registers in and out of the mill. She's beautiful, and yes, she's a stone. Jax! Mary yells, her forceful tone shaking the images of Ren from his mind. Sorry, he says. Was thinking. She flirtatiously flicks a well-placed pebble at his forehead. Wishing she had more time with the guy is putting it lightly. About me? She asks. It's forward, but before she sees her coy question play out, Anx jumps in, tossing the potentiality of sheer embarrassment at her face like her pebble at Jack's. What can we get you today? The usual? Yeah, he chuckles. The usual. And then with a reassuring smile, he adds, I've been thinking about those cooking lessons you offered. Yeah? She casually states, feigning an unenthused response. Turning to Anne to have her fetch Jax's supplies, Mary decides to dive into Jax's intentions a little deeper. So, what were you thinking of cooking? You tell me, he jokingly blurts out. I have no idea where to start. Holding out her hand for payment, Jax places his credits in her palm, her spine shivering as their hands touch. It's childish, yes, but it's Jax. There aren't many guys like this, and that's no exaggeration. What are you saying, Jax? She tries to play it cool, muffling her impending excitement, but the overwhelming sentiment forces its way out, crinkling her dark eyes behind her lifted cheeks. You want me to come over or not? Mary then asks, holding her folded arms over her chest, intentionally perking up her breast. Only it's not as effective as she would like due to her heavy leather jacket. Yeah, I'm trying to ask if you want to come over and teach me some cooking things. <laughs> some cooking things? She snorts out, unable to keep the laughter at bay. Handing him his bag of supplies, Anne decides to jump into the conversation. Where am I supposed to go? The little girl asks. I've got some toys and whatnot, Jax reassures. Oh, cool. And then, in her trademark girlish grin, Anne swings a punch at Jax's leg that he easily slips, picking her up in a relentless tickle. Will you stop hitting me? He playfully growls. It's only when she begs him to stop that Jax lets up on the tickle assault. How does tonight after the gathering and before curfew sound? Can we marry? Anne asks, looking hopefully to her older sister. Please, 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 please. And Mary thought she was excited. If it gets you to shut up, holy hell, get back to work, she states, ruffling Anne's hair. And put that thing into a bun while you're at it. So I'll see you at the gathering? Jax asks. Fine, Mary answers, making sure he knows that it is more than okay. Giving her a beaming smile of his own, Jack sends her a wink that throws butterflies and all sorts of giddy emotions whirling throughout her body. Once his back is to her, it's like she's slapped across the face with reality. I am such a girl, she mumbles to herself. What about being a girl? Anne asks, not sure if she heard her sister correctly. Shut up, Anne! Not knowing what to do with that bit of information, Anne just rolls her eyes and moves to get the supplies for the next customer. On his way back from the market, Jax finds Kip sitting on icy dirt in front of the gate, asleep. Resisting the urge to show Kip how to truly scare someone, Jax nudges him awake instead. Enjoying your nap? 20 minutes, Kip says with a yawn. What? I've been waiting for 20 minutes. Four? Jax then asks, his one-word question doing a piss-poor job at solving the mystery. Hanging out? Shooting the shit? This time... Jax has nothing but a perplexed look. It's our day off, man, Kip says, really wondering if he's the slow one. Right, Jax apologetically says. Come on in. Ushering in Kip, Jax closes the door, moving over to the kitchen to put his things away. By the way, Mary and Anne are coming over after the gathering, so... 
Before Jack can finish the phrase, he is tackled and thrown into the far wall. You serious? Kip exclaims, picking up the kid, tossing him first onto the couch and then back at the far wall where Jack's butt leaves in a permanent indentation. What the hell? That's awesome! Kip says with a beaming smile. I appreciate the enthusiasm, but that hurt, man. Whatever excitement of his own that Jax had, it fades fast as he examines the concave shape his backside made in the wall. It's about time! Kip continues, throwing pillows, rags, whatever else he can towards Jax. Will you stop it? Jax shouts, picking up a pillow of his own to chuck at Kip. Kip dodges the incoming projectile before finding a nearby can of soup. Don't even. Jax begins, but before the warning registers with Kip, he hocks it in Jax's direction, where it narrowly misses and clunks into the wall bringing the roughhousing to a sudden halt. Upon hearing the odd metal sound, Jax holds up his hands for a ceasefire. What was that? Kip asks, but instead of responding, Jax pulls the can from the drywall, and rather than a gaping void from damaged sheetrock, a rusty metal backing is found. As Jax continues to burrow into the wall, the more he unveils. Except for the marks left by the can of soup, what was once probably a bright, shiny crimson is now a weathered and faded red from years, decades maybe, of being concealed in the wall. After a few more chunks of drywall are removed, Jax is able to pull out a metallic box. An object like this is bound to catch some unwanted attention, and as Jax thinks about it a level deeper, the fears of the recent house searches come to mind. That's it, Kip thinks to himself, immediately recognizing the artifact in Jax's hands. It's exactly like Dan's described, and in surprisingly good condition. The only question now is what's in it. Kip's been briefed, but everything he knows has hinged on speculation. Nobody except the legend himself knows what's inside. Open it, Kip states, no longer able to contain his excitement. Not knowing if he should, Jax takes the box in his hands and rotates it around in search of a way to do so. On what Jax is assuming is the front-facing end, he sees a single word, a name neatly engraved in the metal surface. Kim? Jax whispers. Kip cocks his head as he hears the name. Nowhere in the briefings did he hear about a Kim, only adding to the doubt of whether this is in fact the box he's been sent for. It's possible there could be more than one still out there. As Jax reaches for the rusted hinges, ready to answer the stacking questions, a loud explosion shakes the house's foundation. Uh-oh. Kip prays that it's not what he thinks it is. Two more explosions quickly quake, each significantly closer to the house than the first. Get down! Jack screams, just before the fourth explosion wobbles the frame of his home, shattering the front windows. Hide it in the fireplace! Jax then yells, handing the box to Kip before immediately making his way to the door to make sense of the growing madness. Hundreds of feet from the house, gunshots flash as the two sides of the battle shape and evolve. As armored PPA vehicles rush from the direction of City Hall, gravel and bullets spit down the street and on towards the invading enemy, which has already begun their infestation of the district. What are the raiders doing here? Kip yells out over the peppered gunfire. I don't know, Jack says, doubting that this is in any way a coincidence. Bullets begin traveling their way, kicking up dirt in his front yard before reaching his house where the metal projectiles begin splintering the wooden deck. Both Jax and Kip dive inside and behind any solid object they can as the gunfire takes out the remaining glass within the shattered windows. After the short volley, the two stand and move back onto the porch. You think it's because of the stones? Kip asks. Maybe, but before Jax can finish his thought, he and Kip are catapulted forward and off of the porch from an earth-shattering explosion. Instantly, the battle goes silent as a high-pitched ringing fills Jax's ears. Allowing his eyes to refocus, Jax sees nothing but gray smoke 
and brown dirt littering what remaining snow there is. Carefully, he pushes himself up, feeling around for Kip. But suddenly, before Jax can orient himself, he feels his body lifted onto its feet and pushed forward through the smoke until again he is slammed back down to the ground. Are okay, a female voice shouts. What? What the hell is going on? Shaking his head, finally getting some semblance of his surroundings, Jax focuses on the woman that apparently picked him up like a backpack, moving him to the bunkered crater that an obliterated armored vehicle now inhabits. Are you okay? Ren Stone repeats, the sporadic gunfire making a resurgence. Yeah, he responds, peering from around the corner of the destroyed PPA vehicle to begin looking for Kip. I couldn't find him, Ren says, answering his concern. Sitting upright, Jax makes a move to bolt for his house before being jerked back down to his collar. You idiot! I gotta find Kip! Stay down! She adds, quickly looking around and finding a small group of PPA soldiers just up ahead. Before saying another word, she darts in their direction, firing three round bursts periodically until taking cover next to them. Ignoring her admonition, Jax gets to his knees and again begins searching for Kip. Amidst the chaotic scene, Jax finds himself rather calm. Calm, focused, and determined. It's not the first time he's seen a raider assault, but it is his first time being involved in one. Kip! He shouts, pausing to listen for a response. He yells Kip's name two more times before finding it futile. Taking matters into his own hands, Jack sprints back to the house, which is now in more than two dozen pieces. Praying that Kip's not underneath the mess that was once his domicile, Jax begins moving pieces of rubble around. Over here! From behind, Jax turns to see his friend taking cover behind a fallen tree. And immediately, Jax runs towards his friend before remembering the treasure they just found. Skidding to a stop and turning back to his demolished home, Jax slides next to what is left of the fireplace. Frantically, he searches, but it's in vain, as it's nowhere to be found. Not even the destroyed remnants are amongst the concrete rubble. Before he can mourn the object he didn't even know existed until minutes ago, bullets begin ricocheting and shattering the bricks of the once fireplace, and turning on the balls of his feet, Jax weaves his way over to Kip, with rounds continuing to chase him around the battlefield. I thought you were dead, you moron, Jax accuses. Would a moron find this? That big old brute managed to find the box. If they weren't in the middle of a firefight, Jax would kiss the hell out of Kip. Let's get out of here. Yeah, Kip happily agrees. With the gunfire moving away from them, the two rush over next door to Kip's house, which is miraculously mostly intact. Before they are completely out of harm's way, however, curiosity gets the best of Jax. Looking back, he notices the downed vehicle Ren took cover at moments ago. With two other PPA soldiers huddled next to her, Ren fights for all three of their lives as her calm, serene composure dwarfs her panicky comrades. Hunched at the right back end of the vehicle, Ren occasionally leans and takes a quick three-shot burst towards the team of oncoming raiders. Each shot is timed and aimed perfectly, slowly diminishing the advancing group of raiders. But the group is too big, and as they continue to press forward, the private in the middle finally decides to muster some courage and fight back. Standing up to take a shot over the hood of the armored vehicle, he is unsuccessful as a handful of shots fatally find him, the last one hitting him square in the head. It's in this moment that Jax realizes something devastating. It doesn't scare him, only pisses him off because it's the last thing he wants to do. If those two die, there's nothing standing between the raiders and him and Kip. What are you doing? Kip shouts over the gunfire, but not a fan of either of his options. Jax makes up his mind. Stay! And again, he's cut off, only this time it's by a bullet hitting the tree next to his head. Looking up and to the left, Jack sees two raiders on the outskirts that have spotted the duo. Kip thinks of waving a surrender, but in this circumstance, he's more likely to get his hand shot off. Either that, 
or even the dumbest officer can connect some dots. Get to the house, Jack's orders. Before Kip can argue, Jax reluctantly weaves and maneuvers himself towards Ren, figuring that he can wait and be shot, or he can try to stay alive with a weapon in hand. Bullets whistle by his head, only adding to the motivating speed he's taking. As one shot grazes his neck, he slides next to the dead private. Picking up the rifle, Jax looks to Ren. There are two more on the left, he shouts. Shoot them then! Too preoccupied to glance over, she has no idea who is beside her in this fight. Even though it's illegal for him to know anything about a firearm, Jax knows quite a bit thanks to Connor. Relatively speaking, that is. Placing the butt of the gun to his shoulder, Jax takes aim and pulls the trigger once the red dot is on the raider's chest. Nothing happens. Just a click. Panicking, Jax ducks as a bullet narrowly misses his skull and turns to the scared soldier. It's jammed! The two-triangled specialist doesn't respond quickly, but timidly, he takes the gun in his shaking hand, slaps the bottom of the magazine, and loads around by flipping a switch. The dead private didn't even have a round in the chamber. Huddling next to the left side of the vehicle, Jack searches for his target, but is quickly blinded by an explosion of dirt right in front of him. A little startled that he almost got his head blown off, he peers over at Ren. She pokes her head out for a brief scan, brings it back, and then leans to take a three-shot burst. Easy enough. Miming her, Jax takes a quick glance to see two raiders advancing on their left. Then, leaning out just like it was demonstrated, he lines up the shot and pulls the trigger. With a burst, he narrowly misses, but the shot forces the two of them to hunch down behind a thick log, one that is too small for both to hide safely behind. Seeing one of their arms poking out, Jax takes aim for a second time and shoots his target's elbow. The other raider pops up from behind his cover to return fire, but Jax leans back behind the truck just as the bullets hit metal near his knee. Jax takes another quick glance. The raider still stands and takes a shot that barely misses. He'll have to make the next shot fast. Jax does, and the three bullets hit the raider square in the chest. Letting out a chuckle, Jax turns to the terrified specialist. <laughs> it's not as hard as I thought it'd be. But all the soldier can do is give a shaky thumbs up. How many left? Jax shouts to Ren. Two! Slightly moving away from the truck, Jax crouches down next to the dead private. He risks another look by standing up and crouching back down, marking both raiders in that one swift look. One is next to a broken down vehicle, and the other is running up on Ren's location. Knowing there's no other option, Jax stands up and takes a shot at the one running. One bullet hits him in his stomach, another in his chest, and the final one in his jaw. Without crouching back down, Jax aims to take his final shot at the remaining raider, but the raider's gun is already aimed, ready to kill. All clear on the west side. Ren says into her headset as her shot sounds, just as Jax's life flashes before his eyes. With the last target lying dead, Jax stands baffled that he's not in the dirt too. Looking over to his savior, he notices that although her hair is in a tangled mess, she is downright attractive at the same time. Turning to face who she thought was another PPA soldier, Ren's head whips from Jax to the dead private. What did you do? She demands, all beauty fleeting from her as she does. Nothing. He got shot, so I took his weapon. Jack stammers out. It looked like you could use some help. Turning her wrath, Ren glares at the scared specialist before looking to Jax. Where did you learn to shoot? She asks, slinging her gun over her shoulder and storming towards him. That guy. Jax lies, pointing to the two-triangled soldier. He told me to just point and shoot. An inch away from him, she looks up into his eyes, just like that first time they met. My ass, she thinks. There's only one person she knows that would teach someone from the labor class to shoot. But that isn't the immediate problem. Snatching the gun out of Jax's hands, Ren turns towards the specialist and asks the question she already knows the answer to. Did you? All the soldier does is nod, despite both he and Jax knowing it's a lie. 
Stand up when you acknowledge an officer, Ren shouts, the soldier quickly following the order. And why did he have to save me, exactly? It was logical self-preservation. Jax wasn't saving her. He was just saving his and Kip's ass. Then again, maybe he does care about Ren. I was too scared, the soldier mumbles. What was that? She calmly asks. I was too scared, he repeats louder, the trembling in his voice increasing. When were you promoted? She asks, looking to his two triangles before glancing down at the singular one of the dead private. Last week. When people get scared, people die, specialist, she says, her voice calm and quiet, but with apparent authority. That private's life is on your head, not mine. Roger. Go get some help, now, she then commands. He salutes, glances at his dead comrade, and then leaves. You, she says as she turns to Jax. Get out of here before I hand you over to Caspian for using a firearm. Not needing to be told twice, Jax is gone and off to find Kip before she changes her mind. The most perplexing thing about that entire encounter is not that he survived, but that Ren let both him and that other soldier live. Maybe Kip was right. Maybe there is something different about Ren Stone.